Hey everyone, welcome back. For those of you who have been joining us previously, and welcome for the first time. If this is your first venture into the podcast with us, we're going to be going over Acts chapter 14, seeing what we can learn, how we can apply it to our lives, what exactly the scriptures are telling us. So let's get started with verses 1 and 2. In Iconium, they entered the synagogue of the Jews together and spoke in such a manner that a large number of people believed, both of Jews and Greeks. But the Jews who disbelieved stirred up the minds of the Gentiles and embittered them against the brethren. In Iconium, Paul and Barnabas followed the same method. They first went to the synagogue and reached out to the Jewish people first. When they did this, many Jews and Gentiles believed. Now, again, the Jews, who did not believe, these are possibly the religious leaders, stirred up the Gentiles and caused them to be upset and bitter against Paul and Barnabas. Now, it's quite incredible what words can do. In two verses, words can bring encouragement and blessing and the gospel, and yet words can also cause others hatred and bitterness. We must be careful with our words. Measure them. Think before we speak. Wherever the gospel brings light, those that do not like the light will fight against it and often will hate those that give the light. But we must speak anyway for the salvation of others and for the glory of God. Verse 3. Therefore they spent a long time there, speaking boldly with reliance upon the Lord, who was testifying to the word of his grace, granting that signs and wonders be done by their hands. Therefore... Or, despite the persecution, Paul and Barnabas stayed there and continued preaching and teaching boldly in the town. They depended on God for their words and their actions, and so he granted them miracles to be done by their hands to reveal or confirm their message of truth to the people. This was done by God throughout Scripture to validate his chosen servants. Verses 4 to 7. But the people of the city were divided, and some sided with the Jews, and some with the apostles. And when an attempt was made by both the Gentiles and the Jews with their rulers to mistreat and to stone them, they became aware of it and fled to the cities of Lyconia, Lystra, and Derb, and the surrounding region. And there they continued to preach the gospel. The people of the city were divided between the Jews and their jealous ranting, and the apostles with the truth. It is interesting when we see these jealous actions, that there is seemingly no care or searching as to whether they were going against the truth or not. There is no search, there is no evidence. They were simply jealous and reacted the same way the Pharisees did. They reacted in Jerusalem. They tried to get rid of them. They didn't want to hear it. When Paul and Barnabas found out about the plan to mistreat and stone them, they didn't just stay and allow themselves to be persecuted. They left. They left the city. They went to three other cities and preached the truth there. Verses 8 through 10. At Lystra, a man was sitting who had no strength in his feet, lame from his mother's womb, who had never walked. This man was listening to Paul as he spoke, who, when he had fixed his gaze on him, and had seen that he had faith to be made well, said with a loud voice, Stand upright on your feet. And he leaped up and began to walk. 
At Lystra, Paul heals a man through the Spirit that had been lame since birth. Now, Peter had done the same in Acts chapter 3. This man was apparently hanging on every word that Paul said about the truth and had the faith to believe it. We do not see Paul entering a synagogue as was his typical method, but perhaps Lystra did not have any Jewish synagogues. Verses 11 to 13. When the crowds saw what Paul had done, they raised their voice, saying in the Lyconian language, The gods have become like men and have come down to us. And they began calling Barnabas Zeus and Paul Hermes, because he was the chief speaker. The priest of Zeus, whose temple was just outside the city, brought oxen and garlands to the gates and wanted to offer sacrifice with the crowds. Those that saw the miracle had quite an odd reaction. Instead of listening to what Paul and Barnabas had to say about the truth, they connected both men with their religions and gods. They spoke to each other in their own language, which Paul and Barnabas probably did not understand, and said that their gods had come down. They claimed that Barnabas was Zeus, who was the leader of the Greek gods, and Paul was Hermes, who was considered a messenger for Zeus. This is the same as the Roman gods Jupiter and Mercury. There is a modern picture that we can see in many places nowadays, um, but they had their own version in that time. They went so far as to bring oxen and garlands to sacrifice to them. Garlands were wreaths placed on the sacrificial animals, and they were so entrenched in their religion that they seemingly did not care for the truth, but only for their beliefs, that miracles must be grounded in the truth of Scripture. Without that, we end up with a wrong belief, like this reaction from the people of Lystra. Verses 14 to 18. But when the apostles Barnabas and Paul heard of it, they tore their robes and rushed out into the crowd, crying out and saying, Men, why are you doing these things? We are also men of the same nature as you and preach the gospel to you that you should turn from these vain things to a living God who made the heaven and the earth and the sea and all that is in them. In the generations gone by, he permitted all the nations to go their own ways, and yet he did not leave himself without witness, in that he did good and gave you rains from heaven and fruitful seasons, satisfying your hearts with food and gladness. Even saying these things with difficulty, they restrained the crowds from offering sacrifice to them. Paul and Barnabas were appalled by the offering and the designation. They tore their robes, which was a sign of mourning, and rushed to the crowd to stop them. They told the people, hey, we're just men, just like the rest of the crowd. They were not gods. Although being men, they had the truth of the gospel. They preached the gospel so that they could leave the false religion, the false gods, false traditions, and follow the true living holy God. This God alone made the, all of the earth and everything in it. He was not like the Greek or Roman gods, where there was a God designated for specific things. He was God of all. In the past, God's focus was with Israel, and so the nations were called to see them as God's example or light to, to everyone. Even if they didn't see Israel, they still had general revelation. They still had creation to see that there was a living, true God. Even saying these things, Paul and Barnabas had some difficulty keeping the crowds from trying to worship them. Paul didn't use the Old Testament this time, but why not? 
we know that these people were not knowledgeable in the Old Testament, and so trying to teach them from it would have proved unfruitful. So Paul used creation as his argument that God existed and had good news for all men of salvation. God has so orchestrated all things that all men are left without an excuse to know that he does exist, and everyone, even the pagans, can see this. Verses 19 and 20. But Jews came from Antioch and Iconium, and having won over the crowds, they stoned Paul and dragged him out of the city, supposing him to be dead. But while the disciples stood around him, he got up and entered the city. The next day he went away with Barnabas to Derb. The Jews that were still jealous of Paul followed him to Lystra, and there they convinced the crowds to stone him. Stoning was not a pretty thing. It is where those that have decided they pick up stones and throw them at the person until they feel he is dead. They thought they had done a sufficient job, and so thinking he was dead, they dragged him out of the city. It's very interesting that we see this extreme reaction from praising them to almost be gods to stoning him to try to kill him. Some believe Paul actually died and was taken to heaven. Uh, some people connect 2 Corinthians 12, 1 through 4 at this point, um, where he says that he went to the third heaven. Um, but when the disciples came to see him and they were around him, he stood up and entered the city. It seems that God either healed him or resurrected him um, so that he could walk, go into the city, and the next day travel to Derb. This is one of the many times we will see God does not always spare his children from pain of persecution for the gospel. Sometimes we must suffer for the truth of the gospel. In the very beginning, we saw that Paul did try to avoid this persecution, but it, this was a point where he could not avoid it. The gospel often has a good reception but sometimes it has a reaction of intense hatred to the point of murderous intent. In either case, we're called to speak the truth in the hopes that they will come to the truth. Verses 21 and 22. After they had preached the gospel to that city and had made many disciples, they returned to Lystra and to Iconium and to Antioch, strengthening the souls of the disciples, encouraging them and continue in the faith, saying, through many tribulations, we must enter the kingdom of God. We only hear of success in Derb. When we bring the gospel, some will come to the truth. Some will be strongly opposed. Some are searching for the truth. Our job, though, is simply to give the gospel. We are not responsible for their response. Whether they come to salvation or not, that's God's work in their heart. After Derb, they bravely returned to Lystra, Iconium, and Antioch to strengthen and to further teach the believers. All three of these cities hated the gospel, yet there were disciples in this city, and they went to encourage the disciples in their faith. He encourages them with an interesting sentence. He said that, Through many tribulations or hardships, we would enter the kingdom of God. For some, dependent on where they live in, and culture, it can be very easy to accept Christ and live for Him. There may be, and certainly will be, trials at some point in their lives, but that is part of all the lives of every Christian. Others, though, because of their culture and where they live, would be persecuted for their belief in Christ. They would suffer an extra dosage, so to speak, of tribulation and trial. 
These three cities are the ones that hated Paul's message, and so these brethren needed to be reminded that the kingdom of God is worth it. Paul gave the warning of hardships, but the hope of heaven and God's kingdom. We have that same hope, even in persecution or others treating us unfairly because of our beliefs. We have that same hope of heaven and God's kingdom. Verses 23 through 25. When they had appointed elders for them in every church, having prayed with fasting, they commended them to the Lord in whom they had believed. They passed through Pisidia and came into Pamphylia. When they had spoken the word in Perga, they went down to Italia. In each location, Paul and Barnabas assisted the believers to create a local church. The church is a body where they could learn more of the Word of God together and grow together as Christians by loving each other. Evangelism is not enough. Jesus directed his disciples to tell the gospel and teach the gospel. The church should be a place where a Christian can receive the teaching of the Bible. And we'll talk about this more when we get into the doctrine of the church. Paul and Barnabas helped appoint elders, or leaders, or pastors, after much praying and fasting. Appointed means both that the elders were elected by vote of the congregation, and that they were designated. Paul and Barnabas possibly brought up candidates, and then placed them before the congregations for a vote. Elders were not to be novices, and so these leaders were possibly already students of the Word, and we see that in 1 Timothy 3.6. They dedicated them to the Lord, and Paul and Barnabas continued on their journey. Verses 26 to 28. From there they sailed to Antioch, from which they had been commended to the grace of God for the work they had been accomplished. When they had arrived and gathered the church together, they began to report all things that God had done with them, and how he had opened the door of faith to the Gentiles. And they spent a long time with the disciples. The end of their first missionary journey is marked by their return to Antioch, their home, local church. There, they gave a full report of all that God was doing with the Gentiles. They spoke of how God had opened the door to the Gentiles. God had brought the gospel to the Gentiles. This first missionary journey lasted about one to two years. Paul and Barnabas traveled about 500 miles by sea and another 700 by land. Paul also probably wrote the book of Galatians during this time, but even more important than all those astounding facts, Paul and Barnabas had been used of God to bring light to the Gentiles. Salvation was now available to the Gentiles. Verses 